Good morning, One Church. How y'all doing? Awesome. Man, if we're going to clap, let's do it. Let's everybody clap. Thank you so much, praise team. Thank you so much for just, just taking us and, and just taking us in front of God. That's just awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, welcome. We're starting a new series called Hoarders. And the big question is, what are you hoarding? What are you keeping around that's killing you? Um, next week is Easter, and I would encourage you guys that if you have some people, maybe you've been talking to, maybe some friends, maybe some coworkers, maybe uh, a loved one, somebody uh, just you've just been trying to just share Jesus with. I just encourage you next week, we're going to have a great time. We're going to be in our second part of our series on hoarders, and we're going to be talking about forgiveness. That's what we're going to be looking at next week. You know, as we, as we see those clips and those movie clips, I think all of us kind of, we think the same thing. How can, how can somebody live like that? How can they just continue to just keep stuff around that becomes toxic and poisonous, and, and it literally just runs everything down. We would say in our mind, that's not normal. But one of the things that we're going to be talking about a lot in this series is normal is always relative. Because that may not be our normal, it is their normal. Uh, and how many of us would just say, well, just throw it away, get rid of it. Uh, if somebody just came in and started cleaning out stuff and started throwing stuff away... Um, they would be traumatized because many times they are holding on to that to deaden a pain, to deaden a problem, to, to just struggle with some issue in their lives. And they start, and this is really huge, we're going to talk a lot about this the next month, they start basing their self-worth, they start basing who they are on the stuff they keep around, even... If it's trash. And now most of us would just say, well, throw it out. They can't because they base who they are by the trash that they keep around. Are you a hoarder? Maybe not hoarding things, hoarding stuff. Maybe your house doesn't look like that. But are you keeping around some things in your life that's just toxic? Are you keeping some stuff around that's just strangling all the stuff and all the good stuff in your life out? It may not be trash, but it may be bitterness. Maybe you're just holding on to some bitterness and you just, you've held on to the bitterness for so long that you are now a bitter person. In fact, when people aren't around you and they start using words to describe you, well, tell me, how is this person? Well, bitter. Maybe it's not bitterness you struggle with. It may be worry and anxiety and fear. They just may totally litter your entire life. And the peace that you once had is nowhere to be found because there's just fears littered all over and it's just permeating every area of your life. Or maybe it's anger. Your explosive anger is like an IED. That once it goes off, shrapnel goes everywhere, and people are left in an awful wake. Anger. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Hoarding anger. Because most people would say, you know, that's... And some of you, I know exactly what you're thinking. I wish my mother-in-law was here to hear this. 
Some of you, you're like, I wish my spouse was was here to hear this. I, you know, I hope when, while they're in Afghanistan, I hope they check out the video. All right? Some of you, it's like, you know, I just wish my spouse was here. He or she doesn't come to church at all. I wish my ex-wife was here so that she could hear this talk. I think so many times we can spend so many times wanting to do this and wanting to do jabs like this that maybe the person that needs to be jabbed the most is you. Because that's where we're going. All of us deal with anger. Give you some statistics. Did you know that the average man loses his temper? Anybody want to take a guess how many times a week? <laughs> some of them are going, oh, I'm above average. I'm an overachiever. The average man loses his temper six times a week. The average woman, the average woman loses her temper three times a week. Ah, uh-huh, say, all right. Did you know that women have a tendency to get mad at people and men have a tendency to get mad at things? Another statistic, 50% of people lose their temper while at work. 45% of those lose their temper when it comes to dealing with their computer. In fact, I'm going to read this. Um, They've reacted, 50% have reacted to computer problems by hitting their PC or hurling parts of it around the room. Anyone? Anyone? All right, no, no honest people in here. Okay, move on. But I think at the end of the day, all of us struggle with anger. All of us do. Anger is a normal feeling. It's a normal part of our life. Uh, when somebody's driving and they cut you off, you want to wave at them with not all fingers, Right? All of us, in fact, I'll be honest with you, this, I, I've not flipped anybody off this week. I was driving down Wilma Rudolph and a person with Kentucky license plates, um, and the license plate number is 7J, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, this this uh, gentleman is driving 15 miles an hour down the road on Wilma Rudolph. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pass this dude. And then he, he moves over in front of me, and I'm going, oh, no. So I, 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 and he moves over in front of me, and now I'm, you know, I'm losing it, and I'm yelling, and I didn't do any hand gestures, I didn't roll down the window, but I'm like, oh my gosh! And uh, all of us struggle with anger. Some of us more than others, right? But I think the, the where I want to land on this today is all of anger can is not necessarily a bad problem because all of us struggle with it. It's not necessarily you sin by getting angry. In fact, did you know that the Bible says, and you may not know this because this is maybe your first time ever in church, or, but the Bible says that Jesus never sinned. But the Bible also is very clear that Jesus, a couple of times, got really angry. So it's not necessarily sinning, it's not necessarily wrong to have anger. In fact, did you know that the Bible says that God gets angry? Yeah, he does. So, anger is just a normal emotion. There's nothing wrong with anger. It's a normal human reaction. The problem comes 
The problem comes when we allow our anger to hoard our lives. When we hold on to our anger and we allow yesterday's anger and we hang on to it, we hang on to it and it starts festering. But hear me, the Bible gives us hope that we can change. This is what's so cool because some of you, you may think, you know, I just, I'm born this way. My mom was angry. My dad was angry. My greasy granny was angry. I'm just always going to be angry. But let me tell you, the Bible gives you and me hope. Look at this. This is our main verse we're going to be looking at this entire series. It's Ephesians 4.31 and it says this. Get rid of. Everybody say those first three words. Get rid of. Now, get rid of what? What's the first one? Bitterness. You see, if you're bitter, and we're going to be talking about this next week, bitterness. If you're bitter, and if you have bitterness, the Bible says you can get rid of it. Get rid of bitterness. What's the next one? Rage. Next one. Anger. Harsh words and slander. What slander is, is talking behind somebody's back. It may even be true. But when you're talking behind somebody's back, that's slander. So he gives bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. And then this is where the dude who wrote it, his name's Paul, says, you know what, I, I can't, I, there's too much time. I'm not going to list anymore. And he just puts all types of evil behavior. He just kind of lumps it all in there. The Bible gives us hope by saying that we can get rid of this toxic trash that makes us sick in our lives. Makes us sick. Now, you may not be motivated to get rid of this stuff. But the person sitting beside you is very motivated to you getting rid of this stuff. Anybody want to say, yes, Jesus. All right. Now, I want us to go back five verses, and I'm going to read to you somebody's life verse in here. All right? Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry. See, some of you are going, listen, honey, I'm just, I'm applying the Bible. This is my life verse. Be angry. I'm, tell, I'm, I'm trying to obey what Jesus and what the preacher is saying. Okay, that's not where this stops. It says, be angry, but, look at this, be angry and yet do not sin. You see, the Bible doesn't say, just don't get angry. Because I think that's unrealistic. Anger is a feeling. And all of us get angry. It's a normal human emotion. The Bible saying, it doesn't say never get angry. It says, no, no, no. When you experience those feelings, when you experience that stuff welling up inside of you, that's not bad. But what you do with what you start feeling, that can be bad. That's what he's saying. Be angry and do not sin. Not what do you feel, but what do you do with what you feel. And I'm going to keep on going. Be angry, but do not sin. And then he fleshes this out. How does it not become sin? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not allow yesterday's anger to carry over into today's. Do not let today's anger spill over into tomorrow's. Do not let your anger spoil everything about you and sour everything about you. If you allow yesterday's anger to spill over into today's, that's when anger becomes a sin. Anger is kind of like the food in a refrigerator. When one church, when uh, Christy came out, she talked about our offices. And the, our offices are beautiful. They're new. It's a bigger place, and we're paying less money, and it's great. And the, the fellow who uh, we're leasing it from gave us all new appliances. I mean, he just put that in the deal. And we're like, praise God, that's awesome. 
And it is a praise God. Let me tell you the reason why. Because our previous office, we had a refrigerator that was donated to us. And I'll be honest with you, the, the one that was donated to us, the reason why it was donated is because nobody wanted it. It was an unwanted fridge. All right. Now, it was... Have you, how many of y'all have read about the bubonic plague? Anyone? Uh, yeah, that was our fridge. All right. Now, our fridge was bad when we got it, but having three guys around, that bubonic plague became the Black Death. I mean, look at that. Go to that next pic. Mmm, that's saucy. <laughs> now, I'm going to be honest with you. That's not pictures of our refrigerator. But let me tell you what a picture of that is. True story. San Jose, California. At an AT&T call center. Uh, at this AT&T call center, they had been sending out some emails. Hey, guys, you need to take care of the leftovers in the fridge. Some of y'all brought lunch and you've left it in there for three weeks. You've got to get rid of it. And they kept on and nobody was doing anything. But so one, an employee just snapped. Because that's what they do in California. And... Um, <laughs> Anyone here from California? All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn off my mic and I'm going to leave the stage now. Um, anyway, um, but, you know, this person just snapped and said, you know what, I'm just going to clean it myself. So this wonderful employee who's from California, wonderful, um, <laughs> sucking up. All right, wonderful employee from California. You know, they just said, you know what, okay, I'm just going to bite the bullet and I'm going to clean it. So she starts cleaning it. True story. I got this off the internet. I mean, amazing. Some one of the employees, AT&T employees, dialed 911 because of the toxic fumes that was coming from this lady cleaning the refrigerator. 325 employees poured out onto the parking lot. 28 people were nauseous and vomiting. 50 firefighters and 18 emergency vehicles arrived at the scene, including a hazmat team. Ambulances took seven employees away to be hospitalized. All because people left their leftovers in this fridge and it became toxic. They refused to deal with the leftovers. Kind of like this video. Watch this. Onion. My name is Jill, and I'm 60 years old. Hmm. I've been a messy person all my life. I hoard food. I, I feel guilty about wasting something that somebody could be using. I use uh, duct tape to close the freezer door sometimes uh, when I've got too many things in there. Finger food. There are things that I buy and then forget about. She gets pumpkins from the church sometimes so that she can make uh, pumpkin pies. But with the, some of the perishable items, she gets sidetracked and forgets about them and then they just sit there. Cabbages are, are really forgiving. The outside will go bad, but the inside will be fine. And now we're seeing some good color. I believe that if things have been kept cold, and if they're not puffed up, they're just fine. 
What are you going to do with sour cream? What's going to go wrong with that? Is it going to go sour? <laughs> when you don't deal with leftovers, they can get puffed up. They can go sour and spill over and ruin even the good stuff. You know, a refrigerator was only meant to hold food for just a certain amount of time, right? And then after a while, what are you supposed to do with that food that's been in there for too long? You throw it away. And when you refuse to throw away the leftovers, it starts turning and it starts getting gooey and it starts oozing and... Are you loving my word pictures right now? And it starts spilling over and ruining even the good things that are in the fridge. And that is exactly what anger does. In fact, our big idea today is this. Leftover anger spoils life and sours relationships. The Bible says that we as humans, you and me, are only meant... To hold on to anger for so long. And it says, you everybody remember what the Bible says? Deal with your anger when? Before the sun goes down, right? We're only supposed to have it in us for about a day. And if we keep that leftover anger, what it has a tendency to do is it gets puffed up and spills out and turns and becomes gooey and it sours and spoils every relationship. Every relationship. Some of you know this because your relationships with your family and your friends have ceased to exist because of your anger. Because you've held on to something that somebody did to you 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. And we say 25 years, that's just crazy. Let me tell you what the Bible says crazy. If it's over a day, too long. Uh, That's it. A leftover is a day. And after the day, you get rid of it. Because if you keep it for longer than a day, it will destroy you. It will turn on you. It will ruin everything else. A a, a quote I got from a psychological magazine said this, that 50% of all emotional and relational problems that people face in their lives can be attributed to an unhealthy way of dealing with anger. Did you hear that? 50%. That if you're struggling with some mess in your life right now, chances are, 50% chance, is, is because you're not dealing with anger in the right way. So how do you deal with anger? Well, Ephesians 4, 26, 27, don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives the de- a foothold to the devil. Now, some of you, if you ask most people, hey, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. 98% of Americans believe in God. If you ask them, do you believe in the devil? Most people, I don't believe in the devil. But I do. And the reason why is the Bible talks about that there is a real enemy. He calls him the devil. And when when you keep your leftover anger around, what you do is you take your chair and you put it up and say, okay, devil, have a seat. Come on, be a part of our family. Come on in. And that's never a good thing. Let's see what Jesus has to say about anger in Matthew chapter 5. In this series, we're going to be looking at uh, one of Jesus' famous sermons that he gave. Some people call it the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason why it's called the Sermon on the Mount, this is getting crazy, I know, is because he preached it on a mount. All right. On a hillside, he gets up there and he starts talking. 
And this is one of his most famous sermons. It's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And we're going to be in chapter 5, verse 21. And let's look at how Jesus talks about anger. Matthew 5, 21 says this. Jesus is talking. If you have a red letter Bible, this is in red letters. Jesus says, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, everybody say those three words. But I say. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Now let me tell you what Jesus is doing. Jesus is quoting the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments found in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, that Moses, y'all remember, you know, Charlton Heston, right? Or maybe not Charlton Heston, maybe it was uh, Life According to Brian, you know, the 15 drops, oh, the Ten Commandments, remember that? All right, cool. Bad theology, but you know what I'm talking about now. All right, so he has these Ten Commandments, and he quotes the Sixth Commandment, and that is, do not commit murder. Don't murder people. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, don't murder. That's, that's a, and murder is an outward action, right? But what Jesus is going to do all throughout these next four weeks as we're looking at this, he's going to take an outward action that the Ten Commandments has to deal with, and he's going to talk about something inward that happens in us. He says, okay, this is what Moses' law is saying. Don't murder. But I say, what's going on inside here? Let me tell you something that's impossible. It's, it's pretty much impossible to murder somebody unless you're angry with them, right? I mean, you're not going to murder somebody unless you're angry with them. And what Jesus is, is attacking here is not so much the action, but the attitude within the heart. And let me tell you, this is something that's huge. And this is the reason why we do things the way we do here at One Church. Because you, we, if we just attack actions and say, okay, don't do drugs, don't do this, don't sleep around, you know, don't get drunk, you know, don't, 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 don't. That's Ten Commandments stuff. And you know what? You can do all the don'ts in the world and still not have a relationship with God. Because it's not just about don't. It's about what's going on inside of here. It's about what is happening inside your heart. We're not about, uh, one church is not about making people better or moral or making them just to follow better rules. Hear me, Christianity is not about rules. Did you know that? Some of you grew up in churches and you're like, Christianity is all about a do's and don'ts. Really? Maybe you ought to read it a little bit. Because hear what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5. He's saying, you know what? You've heard that Christianity is, 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 is don't murder. He says, no, I, I'm going to even go one more step. It's not just about an outward action. It's about what's going on inside of you. It's about the anger. All right? So Jesus not only wants to deal with the actions, but the feelings. I'm going to keep on going. Verse 22. If you call somebody a what? Okay, I'm offended that you called me an idiot. Leave. I'm joking. All right. Anybody ever called anybody an idiot? I did. In fact, when I was driving on Wilma Rudolph this week, all right? All right. I feel like confession is good. All right, this is good. Um, if you call somebody an idiot, idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. Now, there's a physical consequence, right? Call somebody an idiot, physical consequence, you could be brought in front of the court. Look at this, though. And if you curse someone... You are in danger of the fires of hell. There's a spiritual consequence. So he says, if you do this stuff, 
inside, there are physical and spiritual consequences when you allow your anger leftovers to control your life. Now, hear me. This is not just about words. Because some people say, well, I should never say idiot again. And hear me. It's not just about the words. Do you know that Jesus called the religious leaders, the Pharisees, idiots in Matthew chapter 22? See, it's not just about the words. It's about the actions and the attitude behind the heart. And Jesus' attitude was always pure. And his actions were always pure. So it's not just, I don't want us to get legalistic about words here. It's about something inside. It's about the heart. That's what he's saying. Anger. Anger is always a choice. Do you know that? When that, when that dude from Kentucky, you know, kept on cutting me off, you know, he didn't make me angry. I chose to get angry. Now, some of you, you've been believing a lie all your life. Well, she made me angry, so I had to do this. No, that is a lie. You always have a choice to get angry. Always. Now, when you confront an issue when you're angry, it's never a good thing. I'm going to throw it out there. Give you an example. Roadrage.com. Go to it. Change your life. It did mine. All right. 70% of drivers admit tailgating to encourage the car in front of them to go faster. 70%. Anybody tailgate? Thank you. I'm, we're honest. We're honest. All right, cool. 70% of people. Now, look at this. It's going to escalate. It's going to ratchet up. 71% of people blow their horn. For frustration. Anybody horn blowers? Thank you for your honesty. The rest of you, denial. Come. <laughs> Listen to this. 77% of people admit to obscene gestures unless you're women, and then it goes to 80%. <laughs> I'm not making it up, ladies. It's roadrage.com. You need counseling. All right. You know, you see how it's ratcheting up? You tailgate. Then they don't do something. What do you do? You lay on the horn. Then what do you do? You know, you you usually hold up three fingers and say, pick one, right? I mean, that's just, you get angry. And it never goes to a good place. I'll give you an example. Somebody in my extended family one time um, got mad at somebody who was cutting them off uh, on the interstate opened up his glove box, pulled out his pistol, and shot their tires. Kid you not. Kid you not. And then after this individual did it, said, huh, my brand new car that I bought, I probably ought to sell this. And he sold it the next day because he was afraid of repercussions, right? That person is in here today. That person is dying for me to say, Tell him my name, but I'm not going to do it because I love him. All right. Anyway, my point is that it's never a good place. Anger never takes us to a good place, does it? It keeps on ratcheting up and ratcheting up until there's huge consequences to pay. In fact, look at what Jesus has to say. He gives us an example in verse 23. He says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, by the way, that's in Jerusalem, and you are suddenly, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. What are you supposed to do? Just keep it right there. Don't go back. Keep it. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to, uh, you know, I'm, let me finish the sacrifice and then I'll do it later. Or you know what? You know, it's their problem. They need to get over it. This is what the Bible says. 
That if you're worshiping God, and by the way, people, they traveled weeks to Jerusalem. Some of them, it was 80 miles. And this wasn't by Lexus, people. This wasn't even by Yugo. This was by this. Right? 80 miles of that. It took them a week to sometimes to get to Jerusalem. And they're at the temple getting ready to, our God is great. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Some, some, somebody has something against me. What are you supposed to do? Next verse. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You're talking about an inconvenience. He's saying, you're worshiping. You got your hands raised. He's saying, you just, just stop it. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your breath because we're not okay because you're not okay with that person. Does it impact your spiritual walk? You betcha it does. And God says, Jesus saying, y'all just need to leave church. Some of you, you need to get up right now and leave church. Some of you have been waiting for an excuse to leave church. This is it, right? Go grab your phone, dial your mother-in-law, and talk to her talk to your father talk to your friend because you're not going to be okay with your heavenly father if you're not okay with a friend or with a loved one that's what he's saying Romans 12:18 says this If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. And here's the challenge. (laughs) As far as it depends upon you, right? I mean, you can't control their actions, right? So I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm saying as far as it depends upon you, you make it right. And sometimes you can't make it right. You can only try, but you can't control their actions, right? So as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with them. But hear me, if you keep on harboring that anger, you know what? It's like this sour milk past its date. Oh, dear Lord. I can take this. Oh, Lord. And you know what? One sip's not going to kill me. But here's the thing. If I continue to drink this, what's going to happen? Y'all are going to see some 3D stuff here. (laughs) What anger is like drinking leftover sour milk? It poisons you, right? And, And see, when you're angry with somebody, it doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. So get rid of it. Get rid of this toxic mess and stop ingesting it. Let me say this as well. Now, this is a pet peeve. In fact, I'm just made to start yelling here in a sec, and it's never going to be good because I'm going to need counseling. All right. So one of my pet peeves is when, when some, if you have a problem with somebody, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to gossip behind her back? Are you supposed to slander about them? Are you supposed to, you know, if you have a problem with somebody in your small group, well, I'm just going to leave that small group. I cannot believe that. I mean, somebody just comes in, and they've not even done anything, but maybe she's got a new purse. Can you believe her? Shoot. That girl got a new... Look at... She's coming in here like she's all somebody. 
She ain't even done nothing. She walked in with a new person. You angry. It could be your issue. All right? (laughs) Throw that out there. It's a beach ball. You can hit it. Here's the thing. If you have a problem with somebody, are you supposed to leave the small group? Are you, if you have a problem with somebody in the church, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to leave the church? No. This is what Jesus says if you have a problem with somebody. I'm going to throw this verse up here and we're not going to finish it because I want you to finish it in your head. If another believer, this is Jesus talking, sins against you, are you supposed to gossip? Are you supposed to lead? Are you supposed to just sit on it and they're just supposed to read your mind? Okay, is this person magically, you know, do they, are they mad at me? No one's going to know if you're mad at them unless you go and talk it out. If another believer sins against you, Jesus says, go and privately, go to them privately and point out their offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. All right? Next verse. It says, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. One of the things I get so frustrated, and sometimes I, you know, I look around and say, where is that person? They, they were here at one church for a while. Where'd they go? Oh, they got mad at so-and-so. Really? Well, did they do Matthew 18? No. He just left. And hear me. It says, if another believer, you know what that tells you? That if you're staying here long enough at one church, somebody's going to take you off. And it might be me. Okay? And, And I might be in the wrong. But hear me on this, guys, ladies. If you don't talk to me or if you don't talk to us, if you don't talk to that person in your small group, they will never know that you're mad at them. I mean, at least give them a chance to say, you know what? Yeah, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I didn't mean it that way. But they can't read your mind. Again, so many times, ladies, and I'm not trying to pick on y'all because y'all will absolutely kill me. I know that. Um, But, you know, so many times when you're married to your spouse, they can't read your mind. Now, I know you want your husband to read your mind, but we can't. We're not... I was going to say we're not that bright, but even bright people, you know, we just, we, we can't, we're not mind readers, all right? We're not mind readers here. You've got to speak it out. And this is what the Bible says, go to them one-on-one. If that doesn't work, you go to another person. All right, I'm moving on. I'm past my pet peeve, all right? We got to be, we got to care enough about God and the other person to confront, and that's never easy. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It's never easy. It, the easier thing is to just leave church or to leave the small group or leave the ministry or do whatever. And God's saying, no, you're always going to have problems with people. And you, hear me. Some of you are looking for the perfect church right now. And I'm telling you, one church is not it. You know why? Because it's filled with people. And people are imperfect. The best church in the world would be the church that doesn't have anybody. Because people have junk. All right? Now... I love this. This is so wonderful. Jesus also gives us a second example. Matthew 5, uh, 25 and 26 says this. When you're on your way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. Jesus is saying, he's not giving legal advice. He's just saying this. There, if you don't resolve it, there's going to be consequences. And some of you, the best thing you need to do right now is you need to forgive. Now hear me, that doesn't mean that there's not consequences. There may be legal ramifications. But you need to give up your right to get back and you leave it in God's hands. 
That's what forgiveness means, and that's what we're talking about next week. All right, before we end, get rid of. That's what the Bible says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. How do you do that? What are some healthy ways of dealing with anger? Well, number one is this. When you get angry, go for a walk. Men, y'all hear what I'm saying? When, when you're angry, the time to confront the problem is not when you're, when you're at your hot-headedness. You need to do this. <sighs> Cleansing breath out, right? And if that doesn't work, do it about a thousand more times. Until you're able to talk through this problem without throwing stuff, without getting angry. And hear me, I'm not talking about running. I'm talking about calming down and saying, okay, God, i got to calm down on this. And the second one is this. It's inviting God into this process. Okay, God, I am angry through this. I need you to help me get rid of my anger through this. And I need to communicate this in a way that they will be able to hear me. And that leads us to the third point. Find the right time and place to confront. This is huge. Ladies, if you're angry with your husband, the time not to confront him is two minutes after he gets through the door off the job. Man, anybody want to agree with me? Time not to confront him is when Final Four March Madness is going on. Men, anybody with me? Y'all ain't with me. Am I, am I out there on a limb by myself? All right? Let me tell you, another, guys, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. The time not to confront is five minutes before you want to, before you go to bed and you want to become love doctor. Okay? Because you and the ladies are going to tell you, they're going to shut you down immediately. Ladies, anybody with me? Amen. Preach it, brother. Preach it. <laughs> there has to be a right time and it has to be a right place. So agree on that. Next, and this is huge. Seek not to win an argument, but seek to understand. Guys, ladies, if you are in it to win an argument, if you're going to win, that means somebody else has to be a what? Loser. And you know what? You will ultimately be the loser on this. Don't seek to win an argument. Seek to understand. Because if your spouse is trying to understand you, and if you're trying to understand your spouse, then you know, eventually you're going to start arguing, no, baby, I do see your point. No, but honey, I do see your point. And you're going to start arguing, and, and, you know, and eventually that's going to end up in good places. All right? Just throw it out there. Make up. All right? All right, that wasn't in my notes. And then lastly, five, is remember what God has done for us. You know, we, and we're going to look at this so, huge next week. But remember, Ephesians 4, uh, 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. How do you get rid of it? Look at the next verse. This is where we're landing next week. If I, if I talk too long, I'm going to start launching into next week. And y'all don't want that. So, instead, be kind to one another. What's the next one? Tenderhearted, and what's the next one? Forgiving one another. Now, how are we supposed to forgive? Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. That's what we're talking about next week. All right. So next week, let's look. Let's come back and let's uh, let's look at forgiveness. All right. Let's take some of your questions. Wow. Oh my. There's like fifty. Um. All right. Um. 
What if you tried to mend the issue with the person and they still continue to demonstrate hatred and gossip and false info? All right. Well, you remember what Romans chapter 12 says? As far as it depends upon you, live at peace. If you've done your part and you've done your part and you've done your part and you've done your part, then eventually, if they're not willing to change, then it's not all dependent upon you, is it? So you've done your part and maybe you just need to pull back. And it doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. It doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. It just means, okay, I forgive you, but you know what? There's some trust issues here and trust is earned. So you don't have to be a doormat for that person. All right? All right. That's a great question. Next one. What if, um, what if you are not angry with others, but you keep being angry at yourself for not making the right choices? How do I deal with my inner anger? That is a great question. In fact, in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about, he says, I, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. And he says, oh, awful, wretched person that I am. Paul had anger issues with himself. How did he fix them? Read Romans chapter 7 and you're going to see it, but I'm going to throw it out there. How you fix it is you forgive yourself just as Christ has forgiven you. Because if you are a believer, what I mean by that is this. I'm not talking about following the rules, but if you've asked Jesus Christ to save you, then he has forgiven you of all sin and cleanses you of all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. That you have to see yourself the way God sees you. You have to forgive yourself. All right, great question. All right, keep on going. My dad always said bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Your father is a smart person. So uh, you're exactly right. What if the person who offended you will not discuss the offense with you to clear the air? All right. Well, again, if they won't discuss it, remember, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men and women. All right. So what that means is you try. And you know what? If it's something that happened immediate, you may need to take, they just may need to breathe in and breathe out. Because if they confronted it right now, it would not be a positive experience. But if this has gone on for months or maybe even years, maybe even extended weeks, you know what? You try, you try, and if they won't talk about it, then you know what? It's not up to you anymore. You leave them to God. All right. How do you let God in your heart? How you let God in your heart is you, you just come clean to God and you say, God, I have messed up, I have sinned, and I realize that I don't deserve anything good. But I ask your son, Jesus Christ, to come into my heart and to save me. And if you do that, he will listen and he will answer your prayer. And you will become a follower of Jesus Christ. And you, it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, that you were dead in your trespasses and your sins, but you've been made alive again in Christ Jesus. He will change you. And only he can do that. A couple more. Um, So if we aren't supposed to hold on to anger, how do we deal with issues uh, um, where people really hurt us. Okay, let me read this one more time. If, we're not suppo- if we aren't supposed to hold on to anger, how do we deal with issues with people who really hurt us? Well, again, the answer there is forgiveness. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of this next week because next week we're talking about bitterness. And if you hold on to anger too much, it starts becoming bitter. A verse I want you to, whoever uh, sent that, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 12. I want to say it's in verse 16. I want you to write this down. I want you, I want you to read it. Um, I see. It says this. Um, I'm going to start at verse 14. Uh, Work at living with peace with everyone. We kind of heard that earlier, didn't we? 
and work at living a holy life for those who are holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And what he's saying is this. We, the key to getting rid of that bitterness and anger is seeing what Christ Jesus done for us. That he, that he saved us even while we were yet sinners. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Last one. All right. Actually, there was a second one on there. Why do men get mad? Because they're human. All right. All right. Uh, last one. Um, says this. Um, what about anger towards non-Christians? Uh, let me just say this, and I quoted this verse literally two seconds ago. It says in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ and have that relationship, the Bible says that spiritually they're dead, and they have really no other choice but to continue to do wrong. I'll be honest with you, I usually don't struggle with people, you know, the, the, some of the times you can see the people with the bumper stickers that, you know, you know, and you can like, oh, they probably don't have a relationship with God just because of some of the wording on their bumper stickers. And they flip you off or whatever. I can have a whole a lot easier time forgiving them. It's when the Christians with the fish on the back, when they cut you off and yell at you and cuss at you and flip you off, I have problems with that. And here's the reason why. Is because those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we should act differently. Should we not? In fact, some of you, the reason why you've not been to church in years is because of the way another Christian treated you. So I would encourage you this. If somebody, you're struggling with forgiving somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ, remember, at one time you also did not know Jesus. And did Jesus forgive you? The answer... Yes, he did. So just as Jesus Christ has forgiven us, so we are to forgive other people. Thank you guys for coming today. Uh, again, next week we're going to be talking about this root of bitterness that, we're, uh, that we just said in, in Hebrews. We're going to be going real... I'm just so excited. Uh, as you go out by the hub table, you can pick up some of our invite cards and hand them to your friends. Next week's going to be so much fun, and we're going to have a great time worshiping God uh, next Easter. Dear God, I just thank you so much for how you love us. And I thank you so much, Lord, that your love is better than life and that you forgive us even when we are at our worst. Your word says that when our life is putrid, just like the sour milk, God, and it just starts smelling and stinking, God, that that is when your son, Jesus Christ, loved us the most, not when we were at our best, but when we were at our worst. And Lord, just as we're going to be looking at next week, that when Jesus, when they led him out to die on a cross, they led him literally to the garbage dump of the city. It was there among the rubbish and trash and all the junk that he was suspended there. And they pierced him and he bled for all of us. For all of us have went astray from your love, God. None of us deserve the wonderful grace and gift that you've given us. None of us. Not even me. I definitely don't deserve it. But yet you offer it freely because you love us. And Lord, aren't we supposed to offer that freely to other people who've hurt us? 
Lord, we love you. And I pray, God, during this series that you would continue to clean out the trash and the junk of our lives and make us clean. Make us whiter than snow. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.